0: are spooky and haunted and true crime and history that you know we like to correct legends because people talk about things that are not true and we like to say y'all you're not right we looked it up debunk
1: amen i think i'm more i mean i'm the i'm the scully right yeah i'm Mulder. i'm totally you're, Mulder. you're definitely Mulder. <laughs> i'm spooky Mulder. you're spooky Mulder. spooky
0: Mulder. <laughs> it's so good But uh, we're really excited today because we have a ghoul of honor today that's joining us for this episode. And that ghoul of honor is Ghost Daddy, Jake Rice himself.
2: Hello, my lovely ladies of morbidity.
0: Oh, we love that so much. (laughs) hello uh we are really excited to have you on so thank you for joining us thank you for having me it's a pleasure I know. We're so excited. This is gonna
1: be a fun episode. Uh, we also, we, you know, we tend <laughs> to get into shenanigans when it's the three of us together. It's a little dangerous. Highly yeah. recommended episode is the uh,
0: Undertakers. In- oh jeez, it's <laughs> mostly us
1: <laughs> laughing the whole time. I think, but that's
0: I think a good example of what happens when we all come together and talk about spooky stuff together. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, at least same.
1: try not to talk over each other too much. <laughs> let's throw the tv
2: ma on this one right away all
1: right (laughs) that's true yeah it does it does get a little uh, uh, explicit when the three of us are in the same room together or not because we're not actually in the same room together right now we're just
0: in the same like internet room we're
1: Mm -hmm. in the same video chat yeah
0: we can see each other it works out Mm -hmm. but we know jake and i mean kim and i know each other through our ghost hunting group called a ghost mm-hmm. and that's how we know jake too and we've all become super tight tight because we love the spooky shit now i said i said shit sorry but he's,
1: he, you broke you broke, seal, broke you broke the seal gabby you broke the seal, seal. Mm-hmm. i did mm-hmm. it a chop
2: rated e for explicit
1: usually it's me dropping the swears i mean you know. I mean i'm
2: prone to an f-bomb or six. <laughs>
0: you know i think it'll be a great time but we're really excited to have jake on because he does our website and he's also uh, a little behind the scenes action for us so we really appreciate all that you do go steady anything
2: for my ladies
0: yay so we're really excited to see what he's bringing to the table however he actually likes to talk a little bit about his um gadgets, for those of you who don't know Ghost Daddy. Oh, he also has a website. Shout out to his website of ghostlyactivities.com. And uh, he has some really cool articles on there about ghost hunting, places he's visited. What
1: else? Anything? I write a
2: a ghost. Oh, yeah, I got three. He's-
1: He's got he some, books. A, he's <laughs> some books. He's published. He's uh, published in everything.
2: That's kind of weird to say. <laughs> <laughs> and I published paid for author. it too. I'm oh my
1: a, God, author. he's the real oh deal.
2: God.
1: Real so we time. can actually cool. put in our in our episode notes like author Jacob Rice, <laughs> author and ghost <laughs> hunter,
2: Jacob author and Rice. ghost <laughs> daddy,
1: ghost <laughs> parent, <laughs> professional professional <laughs> oh <my> ghost <laughs> parent.
2: <laughs> I'm a true paranormal author.
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're so special to have him on. Oh, my God. So, I mean, Jakey, what else have you been up to lately? You've been so busy.
2: It, it's it been a very ghostly week. So, last weekend, I did an investigation at Thornwood Castle in Lakewood. So, this is the Rose Red place, you know, that from that oh, yeah. Stephen King,
1: Stephen mm-hmm. King. Mm-hmm.
2: miniseries what, back in 95 or something like that?
1: Something like yeah. that, yeah.
2: And we had evidence.
1: Oh, <gasps> evidence. 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 Evidence.
0: Evidence.
2: And what was kind of weird, though, is the evidence actually happened in the apartments attached to the castle. Not much oh. actually happened in the castle. Well, there were the doppelgangers.
0: What? Oh, kill me.
2: I know, right? Doppelgangers twice.
0: Wait, was there a mirror? In really? Ball?
2: No. What had happened? <laughs> Well, just let me cut to the chases because this is like some creepy shizzle that doesn't always happen.
0: You just said yeah, shizzle.
2: It's true. I said shizzle. I <laughs> am a child of the 90s. Thank you very much. I <laughs> yeah. with Dog and Dre and Death Row Records.
0: All right, you do that, boo As
2: well as Seattle Grunch. So yes. there's that. Anyway.
0: Anywho, anywho. Yes,
2: but at Thornwood Castle, one time during the walkthrough and another time during the investigation, during the walkthrough, I was on the third floor... June, who's the vice president of a ghost, was on the second floor. Uh-huh. She says, "I walked right by her down the stairwell to go back to the Great Hall, which is, you know, that big, cavernous area with the fireplace, if you know anything about the, the castle. Mm-hmm. And she was wondering why I didn't respond to her when I walked by. Mm. I was in the third floor, opposite <sighs> side from her, taking yeah. pictures of the red or the rose-red room. Oh, no way. Later on in the night, we're in the billiards room or games room, whatever they call it, you know, pool table, creepy dolls, and ping pong table. And there's creepy dolls. If you go out to ghostlyactivities.com, you can look at the ghost hunt and Uh, see pictures of the creepy dolls.
0: We love a good reference. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Plug. Actually, I didn't mean to plug, but what the hell was that? eh,
1: Plug, 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 plug.
2: plug, plug. Um, And so. Sandy is sitting down and we're doing this EVP experiment where you kind of like write the questions on a piece of paper, set it down uh-huh. and start recording to see if anything will answer the questions when asked. But down the hall, I, Sandy was wearing a very visible like coral, orange, pink. I don't know what, you know, ladies know with the color coral. Better. I would think that There's coral is there.
0: exactly what you described. So continue. Okay. Perfect.
2: And she walked down the hall. But she was sitting in the chair next to me. What? Mm. Yeah. And oh my that, gosh,
0: that's really creepy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it is. I'm like, how often do you get doppelgangers? In the research, I'd never heard about doppelgangers before. Just, you know, at, oh, that, really? at that location. I had never heard about it. And then the other stuff is in the apartment, we did get two EVPs and phantom footsteps, which was really creepy because the apartment is closest to the lake where a little boy uh, drowned, and it sounds like Gage running down the stairs from Pet Cemeteries.
1: Oh nope 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 <laughs> uh, nope so
2: nope. That was, that was Thornwood Castle. I would say we had some other things wow. going on. Gosh,
1: uh, I want to go. I'm so
0: jealous. Yeah. I want to.
2: And go. It, w- it was just weird. And I saw you know some shadow figures here and there. And just so you know, it, you know, go in the off season. No one was there. I was expecting a wedding or something. It's big on weddings. Yeah. There was no one there. We have the run of the place.
1: Hmm.
2: We could go anywhere we wanted.
1: That's amazing. Let's have a field trip. I think okay,
0: we should we have do that. a field That's trip and again. And and mm-hmm. we should we should do an episode on it cuz we haven't done an episode on that location. I know.
2: We That's could true. actually just get a room <gasps> and record there.
0: Guys, Jake just asked <laughs> us to get a room
2: <laughs> and record. And <laughs> record.
0: <laughs> and record. We could. We'll call oh my it Oh gosh, what if we get EVP's on the recording? <gasps> I
2: know. We'll <gasps> call it Two Ghouls One Mic
0: no that sounds like another podcast we're not doing that oh
2: no i wasn't thinking about that podcast
0: i know but that's gross (laughs) we're not doing that
2: hard no tv next anywho i mean i did a couple more ghost hunts there was another spooked in seattle we did the estes method all night long it's all bs um, you know, that's where you put the headphones on. It goes through the frequencies. You're blindfolded. You see the stuff on kindred spirits all the time. But let oh. me tell you, if you edit that, it will look really creepy with the answers to your questions.
0: Oh, I'm sure. It's all
2: random bullshit. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. if you cut it just right, you'll think the demons from hell are speaking through your spirit box.
0: Well, people think that anyway. So you don't even have to cut it to
1: point. To Good do point. Yeah. I mean, the, the demons <laughs> from hell usually just speak through my cat
0: or your uh, ghost doll
1: <laughs> oh no millie's not much too nice for that millie millie's not really big on the uh she's not so much demons from hell she mostly just turns my tv on late at night
0: oh a demon from hell that
1: doesn't yeah. want you to sleep
2: can she brew coffee too
1: her and i are working on that mm-hmm. <laughs> she knocks stuff off my shelf sometimes like a cat okay well but where. I'm standing there, and it's like the cat's on the shelf, just smacking it off with her paw. But there's no cat. There's no cat. <laughs> mm. Mm. Uh, but no, she's she's recently. Uh, I need to like. I would start her on Instagram, except really, it's just her sitting there most of the time. But recently, <laughs> she took a field trip that would with be me.
0: Great. I kind of feel like that Instagram needs to exist.
1: <laughs> with it's just her sitting <laughs> it's on the shelf.
0: Bunch of pictures of a doll sitting there. <laughs>
1: uh no she took a field trip with me to to uh one of my residencies uh with my my students where we're putting on a play and uh the kids got really into the idea that I have a haunted doll and that I have a um well they love the whole ghost hunting thing in general they think it's really cool and uh and so I brought her in and they kept asking her to do things so like make her turn off the lights make her turn the water fountain on i'm like that's not like that's not how it works that's not how it works kiddos also ask nicely maybe with a
0: please <laughs> Those right entitled little <laughs> little shits
1: <laughs> anyway sorry little i said shiznets. it <laughs> but, they're very sweet kids they're a really good group but yeah no i was trying to explain to them like that's not really how hauntings work they are not on demand it, it's not like pulling up your favorite movie on netflix ghosts on mm-hmm. demand Ghosts on demand. right. there's not that. a show. <laughs> there is a There is an app for that. So,
0: Ghost Daddy, what did you bring for us today?
2: Well, today I have something extra special. I hope. It's close to my heart. So if you guys didn't know, um, my childhood was in Wisconsin. My adult life is in Chicago. Got out of the Army, moved to Chicago State, went to college, all that good stuff. And I love the haunted history, the very dark haunted history of the Windy City. And today, I would like to talk about Prohibition, Mob Hits, and the Ghosts They Left Behind. Mm -hmm. So it's a
1: spooky,
2: spooky tale to tell.
0: I'm so excited. Mm -hmm.
2: So let's just take a little page of history and I'll set the scene for you. Okay. September 30th. 1919 and the city of chicago had just gone through a terrible summer race riots labor union strife and of course 40 unsolved murders
1: Mm oh that's a lot of unsolved murders
2: that's a lot of unsolved murders and so a young cub reporter from the chicago daily tribune sits down with the chief of police that would be chief mooney And he's putting the chief on the spot, asking directly about, you know, we got all these murders, we've got these gamblers and robbers waging a war all over the city, we've got these Italian feudal killings, as they called it, tearing apart neighborhoods on Taylor Street and the South Side. And then, of course, we have all these rich debutantes and all that stuff dying off in droves. And you haven't really done anything to stop this black hand gang that's operating from extorting and doing some strategic killing. And Chief Mooney is essentially just sitting there and saying, I'm trying to get together a homicide squad to solve this stuff. We don't have the resources, but the good thing is the gamblers and the robbers are killing themselves and those Italians are killing themselves, too. And I'm okay with that. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, that's one way of looking at it. Yep.
2: But he's trying to get his homicide group together. He's talking to the feds at the time saying, we need more resources for these crimes. And he's like, but the good thing is with murder, a body always turns up. Someone's going to leave a tip. Some precinct captain's going to go research it. Then they'll come to me and we'll get some time to investigate it. Mm. But the thing permeating all of this was the city, the whole country was pretty hopeful because Prohibition is about to hit. So it passed on January 16th, 1919. They got the 36th state of the 48 at the time because we didn't have uh, Alaska and Hawaii yet. Mm -hmm. And it was ratified. So in January 1920, it would kick in. And everyone was very hopeful because a lot of the crime that you would see was due to drunkenness and, you know, men beating up their wives, killing their wives because of drunk and all this stuff. So right, they're yeah. very hopeful that prohibition would be the thing that kind of settles things down because you're taking alcohol, one of the big elements, out of the picture.
1: Right. That's why women were so, so pro uh-huh. yeah. prohibition. Yeah. Pro prohibition. Yeah.
2: <laughs> pro prohibition. Prohibition. The reason I picked out this article on this day was in the Chicago Daily Tribune. They had a huge section in the women's section of the paper Mm. on what prohibition means to you and how your man will become a better husband and father and worker. And that's how a lot of the media at the time were portraying prohibition was as a women's cause in which, you know, the temperance movements was led by ladies, right?
1: Right, of course.
2: And they just thought it would be the cure-all for a lot of societal ills from poverty because people would be working. um, There wouldn't be so much absenteeism, you know, when it comes to fatherhood as as well as the workplace. So it was really being positioned as a good thing.
1: Hmm.
2: And as we know... That's not how it turned out.
1: Very much not. Yeah. No, nope, nope, nope,
2: nope. Mm-hmm. So one of the big things when Prohibition hit was the Black Hand, which was led by this guy named, well, there, there were like two guys really in charge of it. A guy named Colasio, he was a, a big wig out of New York, moved to Chicago, mm-hmm. and you got this guy named John Torrio as well and they were kind of overseeing the black hand now for much of the history this is before we got the chicago outfit okay this is the mob that we know out of chicago you know and we'll get to the big names in a little bit here okay so with that torio was telling this colossio guy look we got this booze coming There's going to be a demand for liquor. Not everyone's going to give this up. But Colossio, he was like, you know, we made our money off prostitutes, extortion, strategic killing, Mm -hmm. gambling, stuff like that. Why do we want to get into this business? It may not be all that important for us at the end of the day, right? But Torio saw the opportunity for it. And he was setting everything up and he got the okay because the real big crime syndicates and stuff like that were still out of New York. Chicago was just kind of like the young and the ambitious in New York gangsters. They moved to Chicago and that's who was coming. So they set it up and they got a little started. But really it wasn't so much Torio that got off the illegal alcohol trade. Hmm. There were two crime families that started that. You got the Jennas and you got the Druchies. Why those two? They had the license to make industrial strength alcohol, industrial alcohol.
0: Uh, They got the power.
2: And they started up right away, which kind of brings me to the first haunt on the list because one of the very first victims in Chicago of Prohibition wasn't a mob hit. It was a poisoning. Ooh, a poisoning. A poisoning. So let me just say that at the time, while there might have been some little gunfire and a little action between the Italian street gangs of the time, overall, everyone got along fabulously. In hmm. fact, they used to hang out at a luxury hotel on South Michigan Avenue, you know, moving with celebrities, moving with politicians as well, and the Jennas and the Druccis, And one henchman of the Chicago outfit lived in this hotel that hotel is the congress plaza hotel which i've investigated a few times oh i'm so yeah. i know what? i've investigated it six times actually
0: <gasps> wow <laughs> Uh, Ghost Daddy Ambitious. I am. <laughs> so
2: what had happened is, it's about March 1920, okay? So it's, it hasn't been going on so long. And when, when you get first get the bootleggers kicking up, making, we, we call it bathtub gin. It's kind of a street name for this illegal alcohol that was being made. So just one thing we should probably be clear about with the 18th Amendment, you could drink alcohol. Right. You couldn't distribute it. You couldn't sell it. But it's pretty much if it was made in your house, it was okay. And the church actually had the okay to keep wine around as well.
1: Well, like Catholics, it's part of the...
2: Correct, correct. So they got an exception for it. Mind you, in one year, they sold 800,000 of these grape bales that you can put in your tub, add water, and it'll make wine for you. But in the Congress Plaza Hotel... Actually, I have a few ghosts to tell you about there. And if you don't know about the Congress Plaza Hotel, it was like the hotel in town up through the 40s. It was built for the World's Fair, or World Exhibition. H.H. Holmes had recruited victims there. That's for another day.
1: Oh, H.H. Holmes. But HH Homes, that's the Holmes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the H.H. Holmes you're thinking of, that is the H.H. Holmes uh-huh. who we are, we are referencing right there. Yeah.
2: And it's confirmed, I think, through history that he did get three of his victims, pick up three of his victims from the hotel in the lobby. Yeah. Yeah be careful
1: um, y'all
0: when you're traveling you never know who's gonna pick
2: you. that's one. right that's right a strange man says hey honey i got a pharmacy for you why don't you just pop that buggy from philadelphia and come and work at my place and then i'll just burn you up in an acid bath after i cut you up and torture
1: is, okay. is that actually something we're afraid someone's gonna do now i mean honestly well, i could
2: use a buggy they might take a southwest or jet blue i don't know
1: Or they might like get in an Uber and never get out, I suppose. That's
2: true, yeah. But so first off, we have a few ghosts at the Congress Plaza Hotel. And one of them, we don't really have a name for him or anything. He is a figure that appears at the bar and in the lobby area. So the old main entrance for the Congress is actually where the bar is. And this is the one that was on Congress Avenue. And occasionally you see a guy in period clothing, 1920 clothing, who just appears at the bar. You no, know, has a drink and disappears. But the first victim that we know of was a poisoning who drank Jenna's really bad alcohol and he was poisoned.
1: Deliberately or accidentally? Because sometimes that would happen when you're yeah, it, making it, homemade alcohol. Yeah, it
2: was completely accidental from okay. what we know. But right. he would be considered the very first. However, the guy, it turns out, well, this is all rumored because we're on the ghost story part of it, right? So... right. Okay, so allegedly, you can find find the reference to alcohol poison deaths at Congress in the Tribune archives and stuff. If you go out to like newspapers.com, which is one of the sources I use for this, uh, you can find his death in March 1920 for that one. But at the time, you could pretty much make this industrial alcohol, throw a bourbon a gin on it. There's nothing, no one's going to stop you from doing that stuff. Right. And he got poisoned and he was dead. But like, And like I said, there could be other ulterior motives, like there are partnerships. So we, we really don't know if he was truly an innocent victim or there was something else going on. Usually when you're dealing with these mobsters, there was a reason behind everyone dying.
0: Right. That makes sense.
2: Okay. But we're, we're not really sure. Next up is the Florentine service hall hit. Oh. So it's about 1923. Again, this is allegedly, allegedly. And the Florentine Room is one of the big banquet halls in the Congress Plaza Hotel. And it was notorious for mobsters going there for dining, you know, having some meetings with the family and everything. Mm-hmm. And one mobster got capped in the service hall and died. A single shot to the chest killed him. And nowadays, if you're going down this service hall on Wednesday in the early evening, you will hear a loud bang.
0: Is it yeah.
1: residual?
2: It is residual. Just so, you know, I'll spoil it. The Congress is mainly residual hauntings.
1: Oh, okay. Right.
2: Yeah. It's but for a hotel,
1: residual. that's pretty normal, mm-hmm. right? I mean, common, yeah. I would say, if nothing yeah. else. Mm-hmm.
2: And the thing is, the body... Was never really found.
0: Excuse me, where to go? Exactly. So,
2: but we'll get to this in a little bit, right? Because it's it's mob time, right? We got bodies stacking up, and we'll talk about what happens with these bodies. But generally speaking, if you were killed in that that part of town, you either wound up in Lake Michigan in Chicago Harbor which is about Navy Pier South. You know, if you're by the Bean or something like that, you go down the lake, you'll see the sailboats. That's a common harbor. Or you're going to end up in one of the branches of the Chicago River.
0: So At you're the- going to be a little bit wet.
2: You're gonna, we got a lot of water in Chicago. There's a lot of water.
0: Go mm-hmm. for a swim. Not really. Mm-hmm. Maybe sink. Yep.
2: Yep, yep, yep. Nowadays, they close that part off. The Florentine room is only used for weddings or something like that. So usually, and that's on the weekend, there's not many people going down this hallway anymore. It hasn't been reported very often since then. But next up is we've got the door guy. We call him Fedora guy. And there was a mob hit on (laughs) Michigan Avenue right outside, and a guy got shot and killed. Um, So nowadays, you got someone in a Fedora, shows up, opens the door for you, And vanishes. Another
0: door. uh,
2: The door. uh,
0: Oh, so dumb. (laughs) I know, right?
2: (laughs) But occasionally they say you see the guy up on the mezzanine for the gold room. So if you're in the south tower, take the escalator up, you're going to see this like all these mirrored columns with gold plating. Beautiful. Gold room, another big banquet hall. And he's just like hanging out in there. But pretty much as soon as you turn and say hi to him, he's gone.
1: Oh, interesting.
2: And then. We have suite 800 in the North Tower. This oh. is where the Chicago outfit had a henchman live. Now, we're not sure if it's like a Frank Nitti or a Tony Accardo. Um, that would have been two of the lieutenants for Capone. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's him. I think it was another guy. I, I got to look up the last name, but it, a John something or the other. He he wound up dead anyway. I mean, it's the mob. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean no big Some guy. I mean, named john we don't know his last name he's uh, dead who cares yeah
2: i mean really <laughs> and you know you, you, anyone can rent this room just so you know all the horrible rooms that you might hear about for the congress plaza hotel side note like room 441 has the lady phantom specter in it and stuff like oh, that let's
1: go oh, wow And
2: still rent all of these rooms they're all open to the public but you, at that room specifically there's a strong smell of cigar smoke And you can smell it about 10 p.m. every night.
1: That's another one that pops up in a lot of hotels, I find. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Arctic Club has that with... with yeah. Yeah.
2: So another residual-type haunting. This one, a bit more consistent. But the other thing when I heard that, I had to take it with a grain of salt. Because it's a really, really old hotel that had smoking for a very, very long time
0: and it's hard to get rid of that scent after Correct. it's like like like
2: 100 years, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of saturated by that. Yeah, so you I'm like, just like, really do it."
2: Me. Um I did smell when I did the investigate I did smell the cigar smoke right there. It was pretty strong in front of the door.
0: So question, when you yeah. smelled it, did you smell it earlier or was it just super pungent at one period of time? It just, like
2: it was super pungent at one period of time right by the right by the room. So I go back. That makes uh, sense. Yeah. yeah, the time I go, I, I always try to hang out at 10 p.m. And the bad thing is you don't want to be that creepy guy because it, it's it's one of the sweets, <laughs> you know, people read. Like,
1: like not, lingering. I, I, are you
2: smoking? <laughs> are you smoking? Do you have a scar in here? Anyway. Uh, but let me tell you about the hunt <laughs> I investigated there. This is, this is the very special ghost hunt. I was there with my partner, Celine. I mean, this was the very... First investigation we ever did at the Congress Plaza Hotel. We're in the South Tower and we're on the third floor. Now the third floor kind of there's a stairwell that goes down to the main lobby and everything like that. And so we're just going through and Celine says, Gee, I have a nickname, it's G Money Hustler. I, you know, because I was inspired by 90 Scrap.
1: You have, you've got more than one nickname now. I'm, I'm... I got,
2: I got an alias. So we could talk about aliases. With...
1: Anyway, I
0: really love this new nickname, but I think we might need to, you know, insert it into Ghost Daddy Money Hustler. <laughs> I <laughs> we feel like that's a Ghost little
2: bit. We could do Ghost Daddy Hustler.
0: This is a very long name. I
2: know. <laughs> Just say G. <laughs> G. And so Celine says, you know, gee, stop. She's like, I'm freezing. Mm. So I turn and I'm like, okay, let me snap some pictures because I got my infrared camera. Couldn't get anything to focus on it, on her. And I go up to her. I've got my millimeter. She is in this cone of cold. It's 15 degrees colder than the, uh, the ambient temperature. Dang. There's no vent mm. above her. There's no breeze coming through from the outside. We were there in the winter. The way it works is it's like a double door that's going on there. So I'm like, okay, well, let's just do EVP. So my millimeter starts to act wonky with EMF, and we're asking the questions. And in the EVP, we're asking, well, what's your name? And we got the name James. Mm. Oh, and we're like, how? You know, you didn't hear it at the time, right? You play it back.
1: Of course, yeah.
2: And then we're like what do you want? And it says, daddy.
0: Oh, he's talking about you! I
2: know! I'm like, <laughs> I'm not your daddy, kid. <laughs> <laughs> and then I asked, how old are you? And I got five.
1: So, That's a lot of EVPs for one EVP well, then, session. Yeah,
2: and then we got this weird, crazy stack that came over the... Uh, the digital audio recorder we had, like a heavy white noise uh, kicked hmm. in right after that. And whenever I find we got a lot of ghostly symptoms going on around us, a really heavy static would come over the uh, recorder. Now it wasn't a Zoom H1N, it was like a Sony, you know, the $30 digital recorder Mm -hmm. that I had. Um, But it happened two times that night as well.
1: Strange. Mm -hmm. Interesting.
2: Yep. Actually, the second time was on the eighth floor. Where by the suite I was telling you about with the henchmen, it happened there too as oh, we were going around. Mm-hmm. So I went back to the Chicago Daily Tribune archives. And in there there's two there's two tales that it could be. There is a James, a little boy that was hit by a car out front of the hotel on Michigan Avenue.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then the kid was five. So it makes me think Oh, of so him. that
1: that all lines up, which I have to say is is kind of impressive because a lot of times when you get EVPs, they don't always match with the information Correct. that we have. With, yeah, With history, yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, the second one, which is the one I kind of like more that probably fits more of the mob setting, is there's right. a little boy, James Tennyson who was eight and was shot by an errant bullet. and hit by an error but he was eight and the voice said five eight five don't i get five nine right uh, so you know the for me the errant bullet is the better (laughs) but you know if i get what sounds like a five and got hit i would say it might be We don't really know
1: yeah yeah
2: anyway that was my investigation at the Congress Plaza. I have investigated there six times. Usually, I get good stuff. Uh, and if you go out to Ghostly, I've got the six part investigation that you can go through and see the different evidence that we had at the time.
0: That's awesome as
2: well. So that is the Congress Plaza Hotel. I tell you, wow. it's like an Agatha Christie novel. The whole That's thing: amazing. stockbrokers jumping to their deaths. You know, a few mob hits. Mob. You know, mobsters hanging out. You've got socialites poisoning their spouses. It's just random acts of murder. Then my favorite is the story of the bellhop that got shot in the head by his wife because he was diddling the ladies at the Congress. It's all great. he, he
1: had, talking,
2: it had it coming. Had it coming. He
1: only had himself to blame. to blame. Yeah.
2: So that is the Congress Plaza Hotel.
0: Wow. That's a pretty cool hotel, and I kind of want to go there.
1: I was gonna say, yeah, I've never, I've never actually been there, and now I feel like it's a necessity. Yeah. I've never I, been to Chicago. I want to <gasps> go. You've never been to Chicago? It's uh, fun. I haven't been no. in a real long time. Okay. We should field trip. Yeah,
2: and I was gonna say, like, if you want to do, I tell everyone, it's like if you want to stay in that hotel because it's a massive hotel. Okay, two towers, twelve floors, eight hundred rooms.
0: Dang! Oh, wow. uh,
2: built for the world's exhibition in 1893 you know the devil in the white city stuff
0: yeah i have Uh, that book i was just gonna say that book is about that hotel isn't it Uh yeah it's in
2: there it figures prominently (laughs) so next up guys so we're now at the point where torio this is about 1921 Torrio has assembled all the Italian gangs, as well as some of the Irish ones, and they've carved up the city into different territories. Now, what's really interesting about this is you didn't really have problems with the mobsters infringing on each other's turf. Like, this is your speakeasy, this is my speakeasy, this is my neighborhood. Even though the Italians were mainly south side and the Irish were mainly north side, You didn't really have a reason to fight except when you mess with the money. You mess with the business. Don't mess with the money. Mm -hmm. The bullet's going to fly. Okay. So at the worst case, the worst time of the year was about 1928. There were about 63 different hits. So you got bodies piling up. You can't keep dumping them. I mean, it's a big city. There's witnesses. So as I like to say, if you're a mobster with a trunk full of bodies, what (laughs) are you gonna do?
1: What you gonna do? That is is a quandary. Mm -hmm. I feel like that should be a song. <laughs> what you gonna do? When they oh, gotta come for you. Hide some bodies, yeah, or, or two. Full trunk, full right. trunk. <laughs> so,
2: you know, a lot of times there were witnesses now at the good dumping grounds, and <laughs> Oh
1: my god! <laughs> I like that. There's good dumping grounds, like good none of that grounds. crappy dumping grounds. None it, of those like ended. grade B. Yeah. I mean, dumping grounds. The,
2: the, the 20s was a booming time in our history, right? Yeah. For, well, for dumping bodies. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Booming for dumping bodies as well. But the the city at the time, Chicago, was bigger than it is today. There were about 3.3 million inhabitants. And it still hadn't Ooh. spread out to, like nowadays, Chicago pretty much fills up Cook County. That wasn't really the case back in the 20s and everything. Wow. And, you know, they didn't really have a good forest preserve system now, you know. Not really great park space or anything, so you got to head out to the farmland. You have to go out because that's where the woods are, that's where you got some ponds, you got some lakes. And one of those really good places to put a body was Bachelors Grove Cemetery, which is southwest of downtown. Now, not many people realize this. So the area is called Midlothian. The road, the highway that goes by it is called Midlothian Turnpike. At, they changed the route of that road um, at some point, I think, in the 60s or 70s. And the old turnpike goes right, both of them actually, both roads, the old and the new one go right around Bachelors Grove Cemetery. And it's deep in woods. It's kind of swampy. But it used to be a quarry back before the 20s, and it had a big old deep pit right next to the cemetery. And what was really interesting is the farmers out there, because at the time it was all farmland and everything, the farmers in the area never tried to pull up the forest around Bachelor's Grove Cemetery mm. and use it for farming. Because the soil was no good. I know this is sounding a little bit like Pet Cemetery.
1: I was gonna say, uh, Stephen King, are you there?
2: I, I think he, this was not Native American land or anything, but and well, you know, everything was at one everything
1: point. Everything right? was. But, it's it's all. <laughs> it was all Native American. Yeah,
2: it's land. not known yeah. for it. And and Bachelor's Grove was really just uh, the fa- local farmers. This was just the cemetery that they used, right?
0: But, Wait, can I ask a question really sure. quick? Why was it called Bachelor's um, Cemetery?
2: Oh, Bachelors Grove Cemetery, because yeah. the former land, the farmer there was a bachelor.
0: Oh, that's why. I'm like, no. is it for a bunch hmm. of single men? No, like... no, no.
2: There's families out there. You actually oh, have okay. some plots and stuff like that. <laughs> Got family. it. Never mind. Come Anywho. Continue.
0: And, I was just
2: kidding. And, and in the 20s, the pond wasn't there yet. It was just a hole in the ground.
0: Hmm.
2: So you can imagine
0: oh. it's a good...
2: You know, you're out in the woods. No one goes around there. The only time someone goes out there is to bury someone and they don't exactly go over to the big quarry part yeah, of it,
1: true. you know? Because why would you? Why would you? Unless and they're so, going to throw a body into it. I mean, Bingo. I know why we would, but yeah. <laughs> yes, yes,
2: yes. And so in about about 1929, 1930s, Cook County actually acquired the land. Uh to turn into a forest preserve. And now it's Rubio Woods. But what they did when they acquired it, you just can't have this big hole in the ground. Now can you?
0: No, just fill it. With some water.
2: And it became a pond. I Are really
0: there still deep. bodies at the bottom? That, of you the know,
2: pond? let's talk about that because there's there's a cup some ghostly phenomena that happens there. One a bit residual, and the you. other one something a bit more ex- dream
1: mm, i'm so intrigued
2: let's start <laughs> with, so not. bachelor's grove itself has quite a few haunts but if you want to go for more of the mob tie-in you know to be on theme there's really two two okay. things you want to look out for the first one is the cars so residual just talking about residual the old turnpike, you know, if you're running booze back and forth between St. Louis and Chicago, it's not uncommon to take Midlothian Turnpike because it's off the beaten path. It's not one of the highways. It wasn't Highway 55 or anything like that, you know, and you can go through the farm country, probably wouldn't be detected. So what you can do is on the old turnpike, couple of things. You'll see police cars that manifest and you'll see the mobster cars. Now, when you think about mobsters, the movies kind of overplay the quality of the cars because last thing the mobsters, you know, the outfit wanted to do was stand out. Now, don't get me wrong. Capone, who, and Capone took over the the outfit in uh, 1925. His period was 1925 to 1931. And that was when Torrio Uh, after his fourth or fifth unsuccessful hit, so the other mobster's trying to kill him, he's like, F it, I'm out. He packed up, moved back to New York. And he left the Chicago market to Capone to run. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, but going back and forth on this, you would get spectral cop cars and then you would get the mobster cars. Now, the thing is the mobsters would rig up their cars to look like the police cars and they'd be painted green and white because that's what color they were at the time the other thing is because you didn't want to be detected they used a lot of your regular ford and chevy sedans at the time and that's really what you see racing back and forth or parked at bachelor's grove residual it's kind of hard to predict you know when it's going to show up i've never seen the cars themselves and i'll drop a link the uh, chicago tribune did a really great article in february 2017 on mobster cars through the ages so you can actually see capone's car and what that's the- cool actually so i'll drop a link to that one as part of the sources cool um but cadillacs were the most notorious because the caddies at the time were the police cars as well so
0: sure uh, now yeah. this
2: one this one is a little more speculative this is the creepy one
1: Ooh! Ooh! Give me, give me the creepy. Give Mama the creepy.
2: So, what was interesting about Bachelor's Grove is most of these hauntings kicked up in the late '60s and '70s, and the reason is because of drunken teenagers. Oh,
1: it's uh, always about drunken It's
2: and- always because they vandalize and desecrated mm. Bachelor's Grove Cemetery. So now you've got pissed off spirits, and the story goes: this one's documented a couple places. It's about 1974. You've got two cops. Are driving down the new Turnpike, 143rd Street, when they slam on their brakes because their headlights ran across a large, shadowy figure in the road.
0: No. Some say
2: it was about seven feet tall and it had two heads. What? When the lights, when they start got out of the car to see what was going on and it turned, you could see the twisted faces of 20 people in its hunchback.
1: What? Wait,
0: what?
2: Mm-hmm. So wait, hold this on. is the monster of Bachelor's Grove. I have questions. Yeah. I have
0: questions. Yeah, so there's go for faces it. in the back. So there's like the a back. hunchback and there's it's faces hun- in heads,
2: it. Two heads, a hunchback with like 20 faces. I think it's probably closer to a dozen. But, you know, rumor has it...
0: Are they are they baby faces being oh, twenty into someone? Uh, oh my gosh!
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is an audio platform. No, I one wish could I could have gotten the picture. And, right. <laughs> and
2: so the cops are like, "WTF?" It goes on t- across the road into Ruby Woods. It's been se- seen a few times since, then. <laughs> but. The theory is they are the twisted, mangled remains of the mobsters. However, that area is also known for for people dumping babies and all that other stuff and that but
0: part. how did they get mushed together into one monster well
2: it's a monster that's been perturbed by drunken teenagers desecrating graves
0: i know but how did it become the monster i need to know the origin story
2: oh uh, well <laughs> if we could do a podcast on monster theory i guess we could do i that. mean
0: we could but also you know um i'm gonna pull a kim and be scully for a moment <gasps> Yeah. You're- Speaking, my scully. Ugh,
2: she's copping your oh. scully.
0: Okay, you take it then, because I know one of us is going oh, no, go to say Well, go
1: ahead and be it? scully. Does that mean I have to be molder? I don't know. I think I'm going to be a crappy molder i mean
0: <laughs> role reversal uh well but seriously though like what would we debunk that as like a lot of people will say things like the jersey devil was like a really big owl uh, i mean something. you're getting you know into I mean? like
1: cryptozoology too yeah. like yeah. You're, you're getting into a combination of supernatural forces but also cryptozoology yeah.
2: so everyone thinks of this pretty much as just an apparition and right its multiple apparitions from the people that were dumped in the pond now it's probably not all mobsters like I said, the Hashtag whole area not is, known for, is known for dumping babies. Deformed babies got dumped there, too, over the mm, years. Right, right, And right, Some right. people say it's actually a farmer that his horse dragged him into the swampy area, and they both drowned and everything like that. Well, there's it's a just, horse
0: involved now, too?
2: Yeah. Uh, well, if you go with the farmer side of the house. So, that, like, I'm chalking this one up to total urban legend, but it is creepy AF. Uh,
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Are there any pictures of that anywhere? You
2: know, I was asking about that and looking. And the thing hasn't been seen since like the 1990s. As far as I know, there are no pictures. I went trying to find it online. You'll find some like shadowy type stuff, you know, when you do the image search across the web. But I've got the books. This one came out of... Haunted Bachelor's Grove, Ursula Bielski. She's one of the big tour guides um, as well as one of the experts.
0: That is wild. Mm-hmm. I think that's my favorite one so far.
2: Well, so the next history bit is my favorite part of it, but it's now 1927. And the speakeasies and the crime, it's all pretty well established in Chicago now. You got the profits coming in. And there's this one place that's Capone's favorite and it's run by one of his lieutenants, Frank McGurn, is his name. Now, Frank McGurn, like let's talk about an alias, okay? You're right, but he's Chicago outfit. How can he be McGurn? His real name's Vincenzo De Mora. He goes Vincenzo. by the name Vincenzo. He goes Kim by the name Frank or, or Jack McGurn. Jack McGurn is his name. And so what's going on now is you want your patrons to come back, right? It's all about repeat customers, all that good stuff. Yeah, don't kill him. Yeah. And there became another battle, another little war that you don't really hear about as much. It was a battle for talent, as in entertainment talent, musicians, singers, and comedians. Oh, Mm -hmm. This one you don't really hear about as much, but this is very much a true story. And it deals with Joe Lewis, who was a cabaret singer, lovely voice, well-known across the country. Frank Sinatra played him in a movie later
0: on. Oh, wow, that's cool. yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And Frank, also Capone, wanted to make him an exclusive at his club. that is the green mill lounge in Uptown at the corner of Broadway and Lawrence, not far from the l stop. They offered him a contract to for exclusivity, just to perform at that one club and Joe, you know, not a big fan of the mob, good paying gig he decided not to take up the contract. And Jack was very upset. So, down at the Commonwealth Hotel where Joe was staying, three enforcers showed up. They knock on the door and they ask him, of course, to think about the exclusive offer. And Joe's just pretty much, he's like, no offense guys, I like you all and every, I'm paraphrasing here. <laughs> and, and he's like, you know, I got a better offer at an Irish Northside gang speakeasy. So Jack cut his tongue and slit his throat <gasps> ear to ear. Oh. Hotel. oh Joe cool. lived. Oh, no. Joe lived.
0: <gasps> oh, my
1: face? God.
2: Uh-huh. And Capone was really put off by this. He liked Joe. He had a lovely voice and everything like that. Past tense. I called this section, hey, buddy, can you spare a Larnix?
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Should that be the title of this episode? <laughs> oh,
2: so, but Capone gave him 10000 bucks, which is the equivalent to about $150,000. Joe, you know, it took him a few years to learn how to talk again. He could never sing again. He shifted to becoming a comedian after this and he actually uh was the first artist to release some reprise records back in the day but you know he could never sing again but the green mill is known as one of the best speakeasies in all of chicago
0: is it haunted by his tongue
2: it is not what the green mill is really known for it is the tunnels underneath the green mill that you want to know because it, there they connected up to the other underground network and stuff and a lot of Canadian whiskey and gin would be brought through these tunnels. But, you know, occasionally some mobsters just wanted to skim a little, you know, a case here and there. So three or four people got popped and the tunnels blow it. And so now we have some ghosts there. Really what you hear is, you know, you'll hear things moving around. Just so you know, you can't go down to the tunnels nowadays. So we can only count on the stories that are coming out of out of the bartenders at the Green Mill, which is still active, by the way. Everyone loves it and they're known for their poetry slams. You get phantom gunshots. Oh, yes. Lovely ladies of the evening would be... <laughs> in the tunnels as well. And you'll hear some giggling and stuff like that. But really the big thing that you'll see is upstairs in the main lounge, when the bartenders open up, you know, you've heard about the Merchant's Cafe where you got to put the cocktail out. Mm -hmm. As the bartenders are prepping for the day, you'll hear the plunking of the piano. There's still a piano on the stage. Uh, No one's there. And then at the end of the bar in one of the empty seats, you'll see a freshly made cocktail waiting for you.
1: what Uh i appreciate the service
2: i do anyway but the green mill everything's positive at the green mill you know even though i have that horrible stuff underneath of it and i'm down with a ghost that's gonna make me like a moscow mule i'm totally down with that
1: oh totally Mm -hmm. i appreciate that in fact Mm -hmm. so our next
2: up is one of the more well-known incidents and it is actually the part thing that brought capone down eventually or it was Uh-oh. his decline so capone had it in for bugs moran bugs moran ran the irish north side gangs and the irish were really pretty aggressive against the italian mobsters and like you like you know capone and his henchmen were no joke right like uh-huh. like killing was not a thing the irish mobsters would go out of their way to try to take out the other crime family leaders. So September 14th, 1929, seven men are in a garage waiting for the purple gang from Detroit's shipment of alcohol to come in, collect the bounty and move it to some different speakeasies in the city. When in walks two police officers and two well-dressed gentlemen. These seven gentlemen are lined up against the wall in the SMC Carthage warehouse and they are mowed down by two Tommy guns and shotgun blasts. You would know this as the St. Valentine's Day Massacre.
0: Oh, right.
2: So it happened at 10.30 in the morning as well. Now, what set off the hit was you have the Italians see the Irish mobsters coming in because they were going to steal the bounty. It was actually one of the guys looks like bugs moran so Mm. the italian no calls in like the hits ago turns out bugs what got up late was on his way saw the police car out the police car out front like i said the mob would paint up their cars the chicago outfit would paint up their cars to look like the police cars right and so bugs is told hey go back don't go in and he went over to a coffee shop nearby then the hit happened seven guys were mowed down. One of them, his last name's Gusenberg, he survived it for three hours, wouldn't, didn't make a oh. peep and not say who killed them at all. One guy was pretty, well, I mean, he was the mob mechanic. His name's John May. That's kind of the thing that kind of pissed people off was more of an innocent person because it's pretty much, if you're a mobster, you can kill who you want. Just make sure you only kill mobsters. Right. Okay, so he's an associate. Luckily, the dog, Highball, the German Shepherd, did survive without a scroll. Oh,
1: great. So right. Yay. But
2: this is, this is what put the country in an uproar. This is what got Elliot Ness involved. The feds approved trying to take down the Chicago mob at the time after the St. Valentine's Day massacre. It was a BFD. But nowadays, just telling you about what's going on, the warehouse was torn down in 1967. And sold off to a Canadian millionaire or billionaire or something like that. But a lot of the bricks have now found their way to the Mob Museum in Vegas. So if you want to go see the wall where the shooting went and see the pock marks in it and everything like that, you can go out to Vegas. The warehouse got torn down in 1967. What went up? The Margaret Day Blake Apartments for Senior Living. Oh, no. Went up in the spot. It's the 2100 block, North Clark. Anyone can go there. It's, they got a fence up and everything like that. Um, and where, it, it's really the parking lot is where the warehouse was and the shootings went. So there's a couple of residual. It's all residual stuff that's going on now. Um, what you can do is, so these are the reports, German shepherds and other dogs go batshit crazy when they go by it you can still hear the phantom sounds of the tommy guns firing, or as we like to say, the Chicago typewriter. When it snows, you can see indentations of the bodies in it. What? hmm
1: Wow. That's mm-hmm. crazy.
2: But the creepy thing is with the seniors, the apartments that face the parking lot in the little grassy area where the warehouse was on February 14th, they swear in reflective services. So mirrors, you know, glass, whatever's doing the reflection, you'll see a man in a fedora and pinstripe suit staring back at you. What? Mm -hmm.
0: Wait, so there's also the theory that people who are close to death can see apparitions or just like Mm -hmm. maybe people who have passed or loved ones that have passed and you see things and it's not necessarily something that someone else would see. So do you think that maybe what they're seeing with the gentleman in the pinstripe suit has something to do with that?
1: That
2: could be the case. Um, The one thing is it's, it's an anniversary ghost. So it's February 14th. It's Valentine's Day that you'll see. And it's only during the day because the hit happened during the day. And that's the whole thing with a lot of the mob hits. It's very much residual nature. Like the only, out of all of these, and I've been to a lot of these places, um, well, you can't go into the senior, knock, knock, knock. Hey, Betty Sue, can I see your mirror thing? No, that that, that doesn't happen. That's weird. Yeah, that's weird. (laughs) But, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff with this is residual in in nature. I mean, it makes perfect sense because it's an abrupt, you know, you're being... It's like you're flash infusing the area with your essence, right? Because yeah. being murdered right? <laughs> then and said. there, you know. Yeah, sure. Fair enough, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> which kind of brings me to the end of the tale, with when oh. it comes to the hauntings, and this deals with what happened to everyone.
1: Oh, what did happen to everyone?
2: So some died violently, some died not so violently, some died by their own hand.
1: Oh. So the judicial
2: system for the most part, didn't really lay down heavy sentences for these guys. So Lady Justice didn't necessarily, you know, come for these folks. A little bit later on in the late 40s and the 50s, a lot of these mobsters got their comeuppance, but the big guys pretty much got off and a lot of it dealt with corruption and bribing juries and all that good stuff. But what's really interesting is the really big ones are all Buried in the same cemetery, from mm. Irish mobsters to Italian mobsters,
0: like in the same sections, or are they same separated? Sections,
2: no, same. Like you've got the big Capone section, uh, and it is Mark, Mount Carmel Cemetery, the big Italian Catholic cemetery in Hillside, Illinois. It's just to the west of the city, and there's quite a few of the big mobsters buried there. So let's just recap on deaths. So who's buried there? Capone is buried there his family plot is there he was actually buried at mount olivet cemetery and they moved his body later into Oh, mount- really
1: yeah i didn't realize that yeah.
2: yeah i don't know how long he was interned at mount olivet but when his by the time his wife died hmm. they had moved to mount carmel because his kids are buried there and everything like that. that's a big family capone family plot and he died from an advanced case of syphilis. Call it called a heart attack. I forgot what they call it. It starts with A, a <laughs> or something like that. An uh,
0: everlasting faint, if you will. Yeah. Oh, no, yes. yes.
2: Next up, Frank Nitty, who was one of his right-hand men. He was an enforcer. He did a lot of killing. In fact, they think he was behind the killing of uh, Mayor Cermak, who was with uh, President-elect Roosevelt and got shot by two sniper shots in an right. open... Vehicle, They think nitty was the sniper for that because he had served in the Italian World War, First World War. Um, and Frank, who had gone to prison before for about 18 months, something like that, did not want to go back to the pen. It's 1943, got liquored up, walked over to the railroad tracks and blew his brains out.
0: Yep. That's one way to do it. Yeah. Wow. He was
2: just like, I'm not going back. Now his crew, the other crew with him, and this would be like Paul Ricca and Tony Accardo. Well, they kind of got away with it. But some of the other uh, mobsters and, and enforcers, they were all sent to off to like Leavenworth and other really nasty federal prisons. So I can see not, why.
1: Not the fun Bavarian <clears throat> tourist town. No,
2: no, 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 the- no
1: hard prison
2: no you got uh dean O'Banion. he was the guy that was the chief rival to capone he was shot uh and killed in his floral shop in 1925 this is one of the killings that really set off the chicago mob wars by the way he's buried there uh jack McGurn, you know vincenzo the guy that slit joe lewis's throat vincenzo <laughs> he was gunned down in 1936 buried there if you remember the Jennas, they're the ones that started the the liquor trade uh, at the Congress Plaza Hotel. They were at separate times, both gunned down in 1925 by Vinny Drucci. Vinny Drucci uh, was a pretty violent dude, but he also lived at the Congress Plaza Hotel. They used to like hang out and stuff. Speaking of Vinny, gunned down <laughs> by the police in 1927 Dang. in the back of the police cruiser.
1: Huh, wait, in the back of the police cruiser?
2: Yeah, the guy. And he, I think he became a chief of police too. His last name's Healy. Uh-huh. Uh, very angry cop. Uh. <laughs> uh, he's very angry with Vinny. Uh, and he wound up shot in his abdomen leg and one other spot, but bled out in the back of the car. Hmm. Uh, Bugs Moran yeah. replaced Vinny. So Vinny was the crime lord before him. And just so you know, uh, if you're worried, thinking about Bugs, Bugs is not buried there. He's buried in another... Catholic cemetery in the area. Bugs lived to a nice age of 63, died of lung cancer in the pen. The other big crime lord at the time is Jaime Weiss. He's actually Polish American, and he was leading up the Northside Irish mob for a couple of years. He was, this is pretty famous, uh, he was shot by Capone's hitmen outside of Holy Name Cathedral. So you can see the bullet marks in this big church that's at superior in state. I used to walk by it all the time from where I worked. You can see the bullet holes still in it. But they're all buried in Mount Carmel Cemetery all together. Isn't that interesting?
0: Hmm. Are they partying together in the afterlife? Was that yes. like what, you know, the intention was in keeping them all together? I
2: don't think that was the case. <laughs> Because what's interesting about Mount Carmel, you would think with all these mobsters, you would see like fedora dudes running around, with to, you know, Tommy guns and all that. No, it is not the mobsters that haunt Mount Carmel, which is where they're all buried. So it who haunts it? The Italian bride,
0: Julia what? I, I was going to say, is it another monster with a bunch of heads? And-
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So this, according to... Well, if you don't know the Julia Petta story, she, you know, Italian immigrant girl, very sweet girl, you know, from the south side of Chicago, and married a local boy. I think his last name was Bucci. and You're a Bucci.
0: (laughs) How a Bucci, that. Bucci. (laughs) And
2: with, in the case of uh, Julia, she was 20 years old and died in childbirth.
0: Mm. Oh, sad.
2: And so it as was Italian custom, she was buried in her wedding dress.
1: Yeah. With her
2: stillborn son. Oh. But and just so you know, they've got a big gravestone with her picture on it and everything like that. Very beautiful young lady. Huh. Her mother had nightmares for a year that her daughter was buried alive. Mm. So they dug her up a year later. Oh she, they got it. Well. Exhum-
1: she wouldn't be alive then. She's been kind of buried for a, <laughs> a year.
2: Well, so when they cracked open oh, the casket, no. oh no! Not no. to be oh, confused with scratching. the Ursuline, no, she had not <gasps> decayed. She's still deader than a doornail.
1: Right. Her well, son yeah, was I was would...
2: missing. Her son was missing though. Oh.
0: Wait, but and she didn't decay. Did they think she, she was a vampire that she like ate her baby?
2: Well, they were over vampires by this time.
0: <laughs> listen are we
2: ever really over vampires though good point, ever... good point good point good point point. and so the italian bride they say they still see her beautiful young lady with an ethereal glowing white gown going across the cemetery just in repose very sad we don't know if she's looking for her child or not but I was really gonna say, she doesn't
0: she's not like holding a baby with her or anything no
2: no no so okay. ba- back at bachelor's grove you got the madonna and she does hold a baby that's the big thing with the infant you see the, the fam, big family gravestone with the little one for the infant daughter on it. That's okay. the one that does that stuff at Bachelors Grove, not related to the mob. But, <laughs> and Julia Petta, though, Italian, because Mount Carmel is the big Italian cemetery. However, what is interesting is, as far as we know, all the mobsters are at rest now. Huh. It could be they had such violent lives that when the time came... They accepted their fate, moved on. We don't know, but when you talk about all of these haunts, rarely do you actually get, and all the mob hits and and famous areas where they lived, you don't really see mobsters anymore.
0: It's interesting because I remember, and this is going to be really vague because I have a horrible memory. I remember seeing an episode of Kim's favorite show.
1: Um, uh-huh. <gasps> <laughs> uh, it's called
0: uh-huh. ghost adventures and uh, uh-huh. there it was an episode about a jail i don't remember which jail it was so i'm gonna be no help to you right now but it was a jail where al capone was imprisoned
2: so alcatraz or eastern states
0: i think it was eastern state i don't think it was alcatraz okay but they had a specific room just for him and yep. apparently he uh still haunts it and so Correct. they kept trying to like talk to him and like you know mm-hmm. how that show goes. That's the only mm-hmm. thing I've ever heard about Al-, Al Capone haunting anything or anyone right. who was in the mob.
2: With Eastern State, he went to Philadelphia, brandished a firearm, got thrown in the jail, got arrested. They put him in Eastern State. He was only there for a few months, and what he had in Eastern State, like he paid twenty thousand bucks to the warden or the guard or whoever to keep him safe, and he walked out when he was done. So the whole Eastern State thing is kind of BS from a historic standpoint. Alcatraz, though. He did spend some time in solitary and it was pretty rough on him there. So my little wrap up, though, is about I call it the hangover, what we got from prohibition. And we got the modern penal state developed at this time because of all the laws that they passed and the coordination of federal police forces and, you know, minimum mandatory type sentences, all that stuff that all developed 1929 on because of prohibition. Worker absenteeism dropped 70% during this time. So you had a lot more workers making money, which helped the economy. Okay. Uh, it was a time of integration in American society because, with the jazz musicians, mainly African Americans, working in the speakeasies and women join because usually women in the saloon, right, were ladies of the night, soiled doves and stuff. Okay. That wasn't the case here. It would be the mob malls, it would be the wives, uh, you know, of the patrons coming. So now you have women with men in the same you know, environment and it was perfectly accepted. So that would be a good thing. Uh, Jazz music flourished, spread across the country because that was one of the main things that would get people coming into the speakeasies was the entertainment. Mm -hmm. And that allowed for each city also because it was still kind of insulated, I guess you can call it from, like you went to St. Louis, it developed its own scene. Chicago developed its own scene. New York developed its own scene. So jazz got a lot of variety and flourished during this time. Of course, cocktails and mixed drinks came out of it but probably the one thing we don't hear about and this is is like hurts my heart it set back the american wine industry 30 40 years because they had to no. rip up the grapes and everything like that so it really set us back
0: kim is actually crying right now
2: i know it took us a long time to recover from that
0: <laughs> kim's face i wish you guys could see her face
2: no but we got bourbon
0: you know you the win some you lose box, some
2: the cocktails you know bourbon was a big thing the gin was a big thing
1: bourbon is so a big that, thing that's my bit ladies do you have any you oh, i love it
0: i thank you so much for bringing so much information i feel like we have true crime we have hauntings we have residual we, we have, have
1: some kind of weird creature made out of the souls of 12 to 20 humans i think uh, that's I'm my urban legend
2: one. yeah but i i got i can i i will find you stuff on the bachelor's grove monster i will
0: find i love that so i i think you brought us a pretty juicy uh auditory meal for this episode <sighs>
2: you know, i hope i entertained yes that's very Thank much so very historic
0: historic we love a historic moment we do having said that thank you jake for being on this episode and for not just being on it but like taking the reins you're heading happen i
2: I hope you enjoyed my niche coverage of chicago mob haunting locations
0: you're making me want to go there so you did a great job so (laughs) thank you thank you if you're curious and want to learn more Please visit our Instagram. It is ghoulish tendencies podcast. We like to post pictures of the things we talk about. So if you're curious and want to see a visual to the audio medium, that's where you can check it out. We also post stupid memes on there. It's a good time. Uh, we also have a place where you can see all of our show notes, all of the references. That's our website. Our website is ghoulishtendencies.com. You can also email us if you have a ghost story. Our email is Gabby, G-A-B-I, at tendencies.com. You can also message us on our Instagram if you have a story that you would like us to read. We also have Patreon
1: now. And we have two patrons uh, who are new this month who i want to give a special shout out and a special thank you to uh brian and jules yay our first two patrons and we so much appreciate it thank you so much and you're gonna be getting some cool postcards in the mail as we go to some spooky locations so check your mailbox because you'll be getting some postcards and if you want to be in on that postcard patreon action. And potentially other cool things too. And potentially other cool things. You can support us on. Patreon. You can find us. We are there as Ghoulish Tendencies Podcast. Check it out. If you like this podcast, if you listen to this podcast regularly and want to help us pay for things like web hosting and all the other random things that go into trying to produce a podcast, then help us out. Throw us a couple bucks. We appreciate it. Help
0: us help you. If you want more content, we can provide more, but you Mm got to help us out too. Thank you. So there's (laughs) that. Um, Thank you, Kim. We also have uh, a new review from Shannon. Shannon gave us a review on Apple Podcasts oh. and it was so lovely. Thank you so much, Shannon. Literally said, these are the things that we need, that I need to have to listen to for a podcast and they hit all the things. So we really appreciate that review. It really made my my day. I know it made Kim's day. So if you guys like what we do, if you like what you're listening to, please go to Apple Podcasts and give us a review, rate us follow us. Uh, We actually have a lot of subscribers now compared to what we used to have. So continue to do that. Tell your friends. I feel like this is the best way to share about podcasts is to just tell your friends what you listen to and share the knowledge and the love. Going on a road trip, great time to listen and get caught up. And... You know, we like to interact with you guys too. So if you wanted to give us a recommendation on a topic or just talk to us, always message us. So we are totally open. So thank you so much for listening. And having said that,
1: Stay stay spooky. Spooky!